This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 39, The Portal, When Meditation and Mindfulness Changes Your Life. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Tom Cronin. Tom is the founder of The Stillness Project, which is a global movement to inspire one billion people to meditate daily. He's been teaching meditation for top-level companies in Australia. He's the author of five books and has written also for the Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, and Finner Mind. He's been featured on national TV and in prints, including Vogue magazine, The Daily Telegraph, Business Review, Condé Nast Traveler, and the Sydney Morning Herald. Tom has also spoken on stages presenting keynote talks in Mexico, Malaysia, here in the US, in Bali, and in Australia. We sat down together today to talk about his latest project, The Portal, a documentary on mindfulness and meditation. As always, I really appreciate your support and I love to read your comments. So if you take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter our giveaway. Atleta is continuing to support this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up and is giving out a $75 shop card. If you want to know more about the giveaway, stay tuned. I'll give more details at the end of the show and I'll announce the winner of our last giveaway. So if you left a review, make sure to stick until the end. On and Off Your Mat is also now part of Patreon. Patreon is a web platform where you can donate to financially support this podcast or you can become a monthly member. Donators will get shout out on the episode and as monthly member, you receive exclusive content, mini shows, guided meditation, guided flows, and so much more. Visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash on and off your mat to become a member and get access to the August and September and October exclusive content. You can make a one-time donation or become a member at the $5 tier to listen to what you've missed so far. On October 1st, our exclusive episode was a tutorial on Udiyana Banda or abdominal lock. You got it in audio, in photo and in video format. And you also got our two October episodes in video chat format uncensored, unedited, ad-free, and before it was launched on iTunes. So a lot of little extra things for you this month. Okay, enough chatting. Let's get to our episode with Tom. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along, Erica. Yeah. Tom, for listeners that don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey towards finding meditation and mindfulness? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, at, right now. I'm a, a meditation teacher, an author, retreat host, coach, and by default, filmmaker. Now, uh, <laughs> and that journey started many, many years ago. I would say probably about 25 years ago now. And uh, it really was inspired out of crisis, which inspired the film and the book, The Portal. Um, you know, I was, and, you know, we were discussing this this morning, uh, my team and I, about the idea of difference between revolution and evolution. Evolution is when you consistently evolve. Revolution is when you're evolving, but it requires some catalyst, some crisis, some big shift that needs to shake the rattler cage, I guess. And that's what happened to me at the age of 20, 29. You know, I was on a uh, very uh, you know, consistent, steady path of just doing the wrong thing mm. year after year. You know, Lots of drugs, lots of drinking, lots of just being a bit of a party wild boy and that led to you know the universe trying to cue me to evolve and change and I wasn't listening so eventually the universe said okay we're gonna have to turn up the volume and shake things up a little bit and that's when I had a bit of a, a crisis moment in my life and that was the catalyst for me learning to meditate. Mm-hmm. A lot of people need that catalyst to be pushed a little bit. 
Yeah, you know, it's like, what's that saying? You know, you don't fix it unless it's broken. And we're kind of waiting till our lives are broken. We're waiting till society's broken. We're waiting till humanity's on the cusp of being broken. We cover this in a more macro perspective of where we're at as a species, you know. And ideally, we don't want to have to wait till that moment. You know, we can we can preempt that requirement for change. It's just generally we we don't listen. We're not tuned in and we haven't got the sensitivity and intuition to detect what's coming through as a guidance mechanism and we wait until it's kind of like you know it's blaring in our face and we're kind of slapped around a bit by the universe was it your idea with this movie to inspire people to not wait for that rock bottom yeah absolutely you know this is the my inspiration through the stillness project in the film and the book is that you know we don't have to wait for a crisis you know if, if you're in crisis then listen in to what is guiding you back to home, back to connection, back to your inner state. And, um, you know, for most of us, we wait until it's too late, but we don't have to and we can, we can obviously adapt before it gets to that moment. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to do a film about it instead of any other medium? Uh, look, I mean, I've been using a lot of mediums from retreats and online, uh, you know, programs and books, but... I just really wanted to cover as many mediums as possible. And it was such a big and powerful and effective medium that I really wanted to, um, you know, explore that as a possibility. And uh, that's why I explored film. Mm -hmm. So if we come to the concepts of meditation and mindfulness, how do you define those two or what does that mean for you in your life? What does it look like? Yeah, mindfulness for me, well, let's go to meditation first. Meditation for me personally, and this is really subjective, it's open to That's why I'm asking your discussion. definition yeah, so we're so all on the same page. Me, yeah, great. I appreciate that. So for me personally, meditation is about withdrawal. Withdrawal from my senses, which are taking in the outer world. Withdrawal from thinking. Withdrawal from, you know, the, the duality of subject-object phenomenon, which is me the subject and the object being the outer world, past, future and present. And to go to the inner world, the inner silence, the stillness, and to experience the de-excitation that comes when I'm not engaging with that world. Then mindfulness is what I do outside of meditation. It's how am I interacting in the world? You know, what is, what is my actions? What, what is my thought? What is, uh, what, what am I, what is, what is the way that I'm speaking? And uh, where is my mind? Am I engaging with the, the sun on my skin, the wind on my cheek, you know, the food that I'm consuming? And so it's about being really present and being aware and mm -hmm, being mm -hmm. proactive so rather than reactive. That you mentioned a little bit in the intro what your life looked like when you started, when you found mindfulness and meditation. But I wanted to know how these practices have changed your life and the course of your life now that they're part of your everyday. Yeah, you know, when I started meditating, I, I at that point was experiencing a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, insomnia, panic attacks. It was in a deep, dark depression. And if you look at the cause of those types of symptoms, predominantly it's a result of being in sympathetic nervous system state. I was in a very stress response state and my body's producing large amounts of cortisol, adrenaline. It's very hard to A, sleep well, B, feel happy and light and joyful. Mm -hmm. C, have love in your heart and, and, you know, D, just feel calm because you're in sympathetic nervous system state of state to help you get out of dangerous situations. And my body was misinterpreting the life that I was living and it was creating these huge stress responses. But when I started meditating, what happened was it moved me very quickly out of sympathetic nervous system state and into the parasympathetic nervous system state. So it completely reversed all of those symptoms of being in sympathetic nervous system state. And I dropped into a much calmer, 
happier, healthier, more loving, restful lifestyle um, and way of living and experiencing life itself. So that was phenomenal. Like that was really within weeks those changes started to come about. And that became the basis for living life as opposed to being in a stress state being the basis for living my life. Mm-hmm. So what is the premise of the portal? What's the premise of the documentary in the book? Well, rather than making a documentary that lectured people with a bunch of people in lab coats telling you the science of why you should meditate, we wanted to take people on a journey showcasing the power of meditation through personal story and incredibly powerful, moving, rich stories that you know, would take take us on the journey of of you being with them and walking that path with them. So it became very inclusive. You know, it didn't really discount anyone. You know, we had um, African American uh, soldiers that grew up in ghettos and went into military and had PTSD, or you know, French uh, woman that worked for the United Nations as a human rights lawyer became a meditation teacher and used meditation to help heal herself and the people that she was working with in you know, refugee centers around the world and, you know, Vietnamese refugee that, you know, was basically nearly died as a refugee traveling across the seas from Vietnam to get to America, won a Harvard scholarship and used meditation to, you know, help her get through very suicidal tendencies and, you know, a very diverse range of people, six powerful stories that you'll walk that journey with them through their life and, how meditation managed to help them through crisis and get them through the other side. And we do have three futurists in the film that take us on a sort of macro perspective and showcase, um, you know, where we're at as a species, how we got to this place in a, in our um, on our planet and where we might be heading if we do or don't make these changes. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to this in a moment. Um, how did you choose like the people, the stories you wanted to share, how did that come together, that six stories you decided to present? Yeah, look, we, we researched over 300 stories and they needed to have a number of qualifications about the story. One was they needed to have um, a crisis in their story. We didn't want to meditate, uh, use a, a monk in a monastery in Tibet to showcase the power of meditation because it's not relatable mm-hmm. for most people. Um, we wanted to really show it against the diverse and extreme circumstances that some people have to really highlight the power of it. So they had to have a crisis. They had to have a global story, you know, refugees and uh, soldiers and, um, you know, uh, rabbis and people with, you know, um, you know, quite vast and relatable stories, but global stories. And all have had a transformation, but also the... I guess relatable, but also appealing on the camera, and and that was a really big part of it as well. That you know, did the camera like them? Will the audience fall in love with them? Are they um, heartfelt stories that people connect with? And they're, they're really beautiful stories. Mm-hmm. They were for sure. So coming back to the state of the planet, um, there's two quotes that I took out of the movie that kind of stuck with me, and the first one was from Daniel. Schumacher, and he said, "What would life on an enlightened planet would look like?" And I don't know if you have an answer to that. Like, what what would that possibly be? You know, Daniel. When we talked to him before we actually filmed him, you know, he he talked about this, and it's something he'd been contemplating. And he invited us as filmmakers to invite our audience. So I'm actually continuing on his request here right now to the audience of your podcast to start contemplating what life would be like on Enlightened Planet. And it's very difficult to know what you don't know. You know, we haven't seen what life is like on Enlightened Planet. But 
because we're not contemplating it, because we're not imagining it, then it's very hard for us to arrive there. And so it's time for us to really start to get a bit of a North Star, a bit of a guidepost for where we might want to get to mm-hmm. because no one collectively is holding that vision. And if we don't hold the vision, then we can't get there. And so it's time for us to start. And I've been doing this more and more on a daily basis since he invited me to start doing that. And it's quite challenging. What does a political system look like on an enlightened planet? What does a banking system look like? What does a school system look like? What do relationships look like on an enlightened planet? And I know one thing that they're going to be very different than what they are now because most of what we have are win-lose paradigms that he talks a lot about mm-hmm. and Zwei talks a lot about in more depth in the book. And so it's a great question. Um, I don't have the clear answer. I'm starting to formulate a bit of more of an idea, mm-hmm. um, but it's such a vast stretch from where we are. And I know it's an important thing that we start contemplating, but I think we need to start coordinating it uh, collectively as a group, as a species. Um, because if we don't, then I think, you know, the ramifications could be quite immense. Mm-hmm. And that goes into the second quote I had from Michael Siegel, where he says, every single crisis on the planet is human generated, or it's a human generated problem. So if it's a human generated problem, it can be solved by humans. Yes. This is the emphasis and the, I guess, the, a large inspiration for the book and the film was that as it was for me personally, that my problems were flowing from my state of mind. And if I wanted to change my problems, I had to change my state of mind. And I think it was Einstein once said, we can't fix the problems with the same state of mind that caused the problem. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to solve the problem with the state of mind that's limited in its framework and conditioned through previous generational and current societal conditioning, then we're not really going to get far, which is what we're seeing. We're just really not progressing. Mm-hmm. And the inspiration for me is that, and I see it through my students, through my own personal life, my life changed dramatically as is my students. Once they start meditating and transcending the limits of the brain and the framework of their mind and start accessing a state of wisdom and consciousness that's far creative and more adaptable. We'll get back to the episode after this short break. Support for this podcast comes from Juice Beauty, whose founder, Karen Benke, believes that women shouldn't have to choose between their beauty and their health. Juice Beauty is radically transforming the chemistry of beauty with luxurious, high-performance skincare and vibrant plant pigment makeup formulated with antioxidant-rich certified organic ingredients. Every organic drop feeds your skin. Find your clean skincare or makeup solution at juicebeauty.com slash Erica, and Erica with a K, and use the coupon code YOURMAT to receive 20% off your order. I love their products and I went to visit their farm here in California where they grow some of the ingredients they put in their products and it was truly amazing. I'm sure you'll enjoy their products as well. Okay, back to the episode. One thing that the document touches that is really rare in meditation documents is technology and that idea that technology can be helpful to us or harmful to us and that there might be a way we can use technology to level up as humans and continue to evolve. What's your opinion on that? What can we do? Where can we go? Yeah, especially in spiritual circles, there's this big disdain for technology. Um, it's like a barrier to what we're, what we're trying to do here, which is liberate ourselves from the inclusion of technology and find some you know, monastery remote inner space. And it's just it's not going to work that way. It is here. You and I are conversing um, across a great divide because of technology. 
Um, most of us are learning meditation through apps and, you know, Mikey does some phenomenal work in utilizing, embracing holistically technology as a mechanism for shifting consciousness. And if you think of what meditation is, meditation is simply a device. It's a, it's a, a technique or a, a portal. It's a tool. mechanism that'll, it's a tool. Yeah. To enable us to experience more consciousness and open our hearts. And so technology just becomes one of those tools that helps us do that potentially. How do we encourage people to create that kind of technology versus a t kind of technology that is actually harmful to us and to the future? I think planet? the best thing people could do is watch the portal, read the portal, and then <laughs> learn to meditate. And then, and then from there, once our consciousness changes, everything that we do will be embedded into the expression of whatever we're creating. Mm -hmm. You know, what we create is, you know, I think there's a quote in the film. There is a quote in the film. I've watched it so many times. We create what we are. Mm -hmm. And so... If we're creating, which is what we're all doing, we're creating from what we are. And if we want to create consciously, we have to be conscious. And so the prim primary objective here is to get us more conscious. Mm -hmm. And then we will spontaneously start to create more consciously. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing in the movie that is talked about is how we are programmed. And then it's time now to deprogram and reprogram what we're wanting to do and where the beliefs and the stories come from in our lives, right? I think that was Michael Siegel that talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, if um, it's, it's less about deprogramming. I think it's more about uh, upgrading the program. So if you think of your iPhone, you have a hardware and a software. The hardware is you have a particular device that every two years Apple puts out a new one. I think we're up to iPhone 11 now, right? But that, that hardware has to come with an upgrade of the software, If you have a new hardware that's running with very old software, then it's incompatible. And what we have is um, we have a hardware, which is our physical device, and we have a software, which is the program of that device that is the operating system of that device. And most of us are running with an operating system. Uh, and I'm still have an operating system. I can see very clearly that a lot of that program of my operating system is influenced by my parents, my generational uh, indoctrination through the software that comes through in the DNA. Um, you know, I didn't just get a nose and ears and eyes that looked like my mother or my grandmother or my great-great-grandfather mm -hmm. that was passed down genetically. I also got the software that was coming in. So I've got some coding from 1800s in Irish Catholic mm -hmm. background around money or relationships or, you know, and, and that kind of filters through. And so meditation helps us upgrade the software. And it's not just in meditation, it's in the mindfulness practice we talked about before, which is being aware of the program. And then, you know, with our updates we get on our phone, we hear yes, update, because we do want the latest operating system because it's obviously the most refined and most, you know, improved. And so that's what we need to start doing as a species, but quite often we're running with very, very, very old generational programming. Mm -hmm. And part of those programs are things like money, status, power are very important. How or what could be more important than that? Yeah, it's interesting what we put such priorities onto uh, living. And, um, you know, when I came across this idea that enlightenment existed, I was like, wow, I just need to spend more time exploring that possibility. And we've become, you know, it's like the outliers from Malcolm Gladwell. The more time you spend on something, the better you're going to get at it. Mm -hmm. And if I spend, 
you know, X many hours a day trying to perfect hitting a golf ball. Over time, after many years, I'll probably get very good at it. And we've become very good at Instagram. We've become very good at, you know, going to work and making money. And we've become very good at, you know, worrying. We've become very good at shopping, become very good at drinking. But enlightenment hasn't been a really high priority. So, um, you know, it's, it's about shifting the allocated mental framework, the time that we're thinking to tweaking it slightly. And it doesn't have to be gargantuan, you know, just a few minutes a day or a few hours a day towards reading more conscious material, exploring the workings of the inner mind and the inner heart, um, just slightly adjusting our attention away from fairly mediocre out-of-world things which I still engage in, you know, on a daily basis, but that's just part of living in the integrated world of, you know, having to do your grocery shopping and pay your electricity bill and, you know, watching some fluffy TV sometimes with your family and just, um, Mm -hmm. but also within that allocating a portion of time to contemplating deeper things and, you know, listening to podcasts like this or going to workshops, doing retreats and just spending a little bit more time up-leveling a little bit of our mind. Do you think it's about the quality of what we think we could be as human, like seeing the beauty of what it is to be a human being and that would shift like how we want to take care of ourselves and our society and our planet? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, there's two things. One is um, having greater respect and appreciation for what it is to be a beautiful human being mm-hmm. and the magnificence of what that is to be here now, be created is phenomenal um, and to have a deep, deep appreciation and gratitude for that. But then to explore what is what is of higher value, what's a, a great preference? Because we all just have sets of values. And, um, you know, if you really were to map them out and sort of quantify them, we'd see that being, you know, in a state of unconditional love is quite, not really a high value for us or to, to be in a state of blissful, quiet, um, you know, open spaciousness in our mind is not of high value to us. Um, you know, I was actually at a restaurant with my family the other night and the table next to us was four young gentlemen, probably in the age of 25, 30. This is not to be judgmental. It was just to be purely observant about um, what was going on. And there was zero interaction with those four guys. They literally, every single one of them was on their phone. And I looked at what they were watching and look, I'm a sucker for Instagram as well, but most of what they were doing was scrolling through hours of story feeds, um, which was people posting their cappuccinos and their dinner and a sunset and um you know it was this is where we've become is we're just devaluing some of the most highest priorities of what it is to be human and that's to be living with an open heart and a quiet mind and um exploring the 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 gift and the wonder of what it is to be here Mm -hmm. is the movie out already for people to watch comes out on it comes out on october 17th in australia and then november the first in the us okay great so I'll put all the information in the show notes, of course, for people to find it. But um, is there anything else you want to add about this? I want to talk about the Stillness Project before we close, but about the movie, about sure. this idea. If there's one takeaway you'd like people to leave this interview with, what would it be? There's a film and a book called The Portal, which are very moving and very powerful, but it's not really about that. They're, they're like meditation. They're a device. They're a device to be part of a collective shift in up-leveling human consciousness because if we up-level human consciousness then we can see progressive change on the planet which we need dramatically and so we're we're just being part of a a global movement and we invite 
the audience to join us on this journey of transformation. You can go to the website to start to sort of find ways to be part of this shift and this movement. And um, what we're really here to do using those mediums and those devices is to um, support and elevate human consciousness. So you think it starts one person at a time in the microcosm and then it ripples and it it's becomes the, a micro? It's the only way. Yeah. There's not going to be a political leader or a corporation that's going to go, we've got the problem solved, guys. We're going to fix it for you. You just keep doing what you're doing um, and, and everything's going to be all right. No, it's, it's got to come from a collective shift at the grassroots. Mm -hmm. So radical responsibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, what's the Stillness Project? What's that that you're also doing? Yeah, the Stillness Project was really the, the, the genesis and the embryonic sort of stage of all of this, which That's was leaving, yeah, leaving finance and setting up a movement to inspire a billion people to meditate daily. And what was born out of that was this film and book that came out of that as, a, as another device or medium. So the Stillness Project was online platforms and meditation programs and retreats and weekend workshops and corporate speaking and books and um and the portal kind of got born out of that and had it such a vast and gargantuan sort of um i guess development that it became its own entity but the stillness project is kind of like the the um the, the genesis of all of that mm -hmm, the foundation yeah yeah are you able to measure your result like how close are you to that goal of one billion people are you able to know that yeah people ask that a lot um it's probably less about have we got a billion people meditating <laughs> yet um you know it was interesting when when i was working with my team to sort of brand this and um you know i was suggesting a million people as the tagline inspiring a billion a million people to meditate daily and they're like oh you'll reach that really quickly i'm like man you're kidding me like i'd only just started as a meditation teacher you know i hardly taught anyone about 10 people in my local area and you know within two years three years of the stillness project being born our online programs had been promoted and launched through companies like Mind Movies and Mind Valley that had reaches of, you know, five to 10 million people and um, we'd been on national TV and spoken on stages in large conferences. So that million, it wasn't necessarily that we had, because of us, a million people meditating, but they'd become aware of the vision and the project and the, and the inspiration to start making it more of their lives. And I think it just gets added on uh, to the collective, you know, the headspaces and the calms and the butterflies and, Um, and you know the you know so many other different companies and people you know Deepak's and Gabby Bernstein's doing their collective meditation and um, unified.org and I think it's kind of like it's not about you know can I conquer this and get those numbers up so that I don't know I'm going to feel good it's more just like let's just keep working on this and let's all collaborate and let's all be part of the groundswell shift into an awakening. And um, I think it's very hard to quantify some of these things. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of get less attached to numbers and more just like doing what's inspiring for me. And if we get there, we get there. Who knows? You know, in two years' time, I might just want to retire and go and live on a farm and grow vegetables. I just don't know. But at the moment, it's what's relevant and what I'm being called to do. So we'll just keep walking that path. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. How do you know that the work you're doing is making a difference? What's your way of observing the impact you're having on the world if you have one? Such a good question. You know, I, I run very intensive retreats uh, that are very, you know, quite confronting in some respects. It's not a walk in the park, our retreats. It's a, quite a process. And what comes from that is incredible levels of transformation. But what also comes from shifts and changes like that can 
be quite confronting and challenging. You know, we see relationships coming under some pressure because one person's going through a massive change and one person might not be. And that creates some tension in the relationship or their work might start changing because they might not feel called to be a graphic designer or a broker and they might feel, and that can seem like turbulence. So quite often when we go through transformation and growth, what can see on this, what can it look like on the surface can actually be more chaos and turmoil as the progress is starting to unravel and change. And so it's very hard to quantify in some respects because that might be a huge shift in evolution and transformation in that person's life. But the outer areas of their life can be a little bit, whoa, like that doesn't look like that's the life of a meditator. Um, and it's very hard to quantify sometimes. Uh, you know, it, it, to be all transparent, I'd, sometimes I kind of wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, have we made an impact? Uh, you know, it's, I get thousands of testimonials of people's lives that have been improved. So that's fuel that continues to inspire you to doing what you're doing. And if you didn't get any feedback that what you're doing was not making a difference, then you'd probably question whether you should be doing it. But we do get a lot of feedback, a lot of people sharing with us the changes that they've been through. And uh, and that's really, I guess, the the one thing that we can say we know we're making a difference because it's, yeah, it's it's testimony to their personal life. That's amazing. I will put the links to the movie and books and I'll put all your info in the show notes. But in the meantime, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to reach out, if they want to study with you or just get in contact? I think um, firstly, entertheportal.com is a great starting point for anything to do with the film and the book. And then tomcronin.com where they can find out about everything that I'm doing. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Tom. It's a pleasure. It's great to be here. Thanks for um, such great questions. Really good engaging. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We have other great guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. Now, if you want to make my day, you want to help other people find this podcast, and or you want to get your chance to win a $75 shop card from Athleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on the podcast app of your iPhone, scroll down on the show's page and click the link, write a review. As you write your review and you save it, you automatically enter the giveaway. You don't have to do anything else. And I announce the winner on the next episode after a random draw. If you're newer to reviews and you need even more detailed instruction, you can check out the show notes. You'll also find there more info about our guests of today, Tom Cronin and his documentary, The Portal. You can also visit my website for those two things at ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. Um, our latest episode was also supported by Athleta. So thank you so much if you left a review. The winner of that giveaway is iTunes user Katie Fink. Katie said... Thank you, Erica, for composing such a wide range of conversations with such a refined group of yoga teachers, health coaches, and meditation leaders. I love this podcast, all in cap. Keep up the awesome work. Uh, Thanks, Katie. That's such a nice review. Email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram and I'll send you your shop cards. See you guys. It's that simple. Now, also, if you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat to donate or become a monthly member, get your hands on all the exclusive content and support me in this offering. Now, before we go, I just want to say one last thank you to Alexander Saba, working in the background, creating music, editing and mastering this podcast. Once again, guys, thank you for joining us. Until next time.